This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're going to take a look at an interview with the late Bud Hopkins. Of course, Bud Hopkins was a legend in the UFO field. He passed away here August 21st, 2011. But if we look at Wikipedia, we find out that Bud was born Elliot Bud Hopkins, June 15th, 1931, and was raised in Wheeling, West Virginia. It says he developed polio as a child, recovered from that, developed an interest in art, went to school to Oberlin College. It sounds like he had a pretty good career in the art field, actually. It says uh, his experiment with the collage techniques and style as an abstract expressionist won him national acclaim. Hopkins' first Solo show was held in New York City in 1956, the same year he met, married his first wife for 13 years, Joan Rich. We find out in 1976, Hopkins was awarded a Guggenheim Fellowship. Guzlan tells us that after the publication of his book, Missing Time, in 1981, Hopkins became known much as much for his UFO abduction research as for his art. So this kind of shows us how sometimes a person's life is going in one direction and then maybe it veers off in another. Here, Bud Hopkins was a successful artist who had an interest in UFOs. He writes a book about it, and his life is off in a completely different direction. It's just fascinating if you, if you look into Bud's life. It says, as a self-described humanist, Hopkins saw his work with alleged alien abduction victims as a way to bring attention to an otherwise marginalized part of society. His follow-up book, Intruders, The Incredible Visitation at Copley Woods, published in 1987, helped establish Hopkins as a prominent researcher in, UFO, in the UFO movement. By 1973, Hopkins was married to art critic, art historian, and curator April Kingsley, with whom he had a daughter, Grace Hopkins. Their marriage ended in divorce in 1991. In 19, the 1992 made-for-television film, Intruders, featured fictionalized characters based on the works of Hopkins and psychiatrist John E. Mack. Uh, John E. Mack is another just legend in the UFO field. And like Hopkins' book of the same name, Portrayed Abduction Scenes, in 1994, Hopkins met writer-filmmaker Carol Rainey, who became his third wife in 1996. They shared a mutual fascination with alien abduction stories, and according to Rainey, the possibility that people on Earth may have been seated here by highly advanced beings or a big being from out there, quote-unquote. The two co-wrote a book, Sight Unseen, Science, UFO, Invisibility, and Transgenics Beings, which was published in 2003. They were married for 10 years. Also in 1996, Hopkins' book Witness, the story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abduction was published. The book portrayed an abduction case that was alleged to have occurred in late 1989 near the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. And August 21st, 2011, Hopkins died of complications from cancer. At the time of his death, he was, he was in a relationship with journalist Leslie Keene. So Bud Hopkins, had a, he had a full life, but his main contribution to the UFO um, community was all these books that he wrote. And this really non-judgmental approach that Mr. Hopkins took when he interviewed uh, people that claimed to have been abducted. You know, before, the, uh, before Bud came along, most of these people who would have been who would have claimed to have had uh, encounters or abductions 
would have just been uh, written, written off as seriously mentally ill people, marginalized from society, made fun of. Now, not to say that that might not be the case uh, in every single case, but but just entertain the possibility that what if these people are just normal, mentally healthy people, and this did happen. So he just approached it in a very non-judgmental way, and I think that's so important when we look at the subject is to try to be non-judgmental about it as much as possible. And then once we get the facts, then we can start to flesh out an opinion. Now, the interview comes from uh, <clears throat> PBS, and I found it here on PBS.org. It says Nova Online. Kidnapped by UFOs is a title written by, it says, the Linda case. Excerpts from interview with Bud Hopkins. His cases, people who believe they have been abducted by aliens. First, it starts off with the Linda case. It says, Hopkins the best says, the best case that I ever worked with, and it's extraordinarily important, and it's the subject of the book that I'm working on right now. It involves a woman who was abducted, who I had worked with before this experience. She was abducted from a 12th floor apartment in Manhattan, floated out the window, and in this case, the UFO occupants wanted this to be seen for various complicated reasons. So therefore, it was not masked or hidden or whatnot. Even though it was 3 in the morning, this woman was witnessed floating with the three aliens below the UFO, 12 stories up, by a number of different people who I have heard from. One of the people who I interviewed at great length described her absolute terror when she saw this sight from the Brooklyn Bridge, her first attempt to explain it to herself, this can't happen, was somebody must be making a movie. This must be a movie because this is impossible, and yet I'm looking at it. There were other people on the bridge, too, also terrified. There are people floating in the air, as they described it. The people on the ground contacted me. They still have not wanted their names used. They've not wanted to talk to me personally for various reasons, but described exactly the same thing. I've got matching sets of drawings of what everyone saw from their experience. Another woman who I've dealt with at length saw the UFO right next to the building from which this woman was floated out. She said it was enormous, and at that point, somehow her car stopped, and their memories are very unclear from that point on. As if I some as if somehow or other, as if often, as if often happens in these cases, there was some kind of effect, electromagnetic effect or whatever. We don't know what to call it, which stopped the car, and their and their memories only went to the point of seeing this UFO right directly next to the building before the people floated out. I have another witness at, the, at another location. Here we have eyewitnesses to people doing an impossible thing, floating 12 stories up in a beam of light. There's much, much more of the testimony connected with this, some which I'm not at liberty to present right now. Now, I've actually done a, a podcast on this. We probably should go back and look at it. I think it was called Manhattan Transfer. The lady says she was just levitated out of her bed, floated through a window up into this UFO. And I'd have to go back. I can't swear to this, but it seems like there might have been an unnamed UF, uh, an unnamed UN employee uh, down on the street that actually witnessed this, but, but then didn't come forward. I can't remember. But there, this was a mass sighting. And this, this gal was actually flown out of her uh, apartment window up into this UFO just levitating there in the sky. It's a strange case. I think that was back in the early 70s, a Manhattan transfer. The second one says, Bud Hopkins' first case. Hopkins says, when I had looked into the very first case that I investigated, which was back in 1975, 
having to do with a landing that was observed by a man I knew in New Jersey. The little figures out digging soil samples, etc., and I checked into the apartment building that faced this park where the landing took place. It took me weeks to try to run down a man who was probably the night doorman at the time of this landing case. And when I finally got to him on the phone and I asked a very loaded question, do you remember anything unusual happening in the park around January of this year? And the man said to, and the man said to me, I certainly do. I'll never forget it. This UFO came down, landed in the park, and scared me half to death. And as he started to describe it, I started to get chills because something in me, even at that date, after I'd had a sighting years before, did not want to accept that this could have really, really happened. You know, I, I'm reading this and I'm saying maybe maybe that first sighting that, that Bud had had years before, even though he was an artist at the time, set him on this path of investigating UFOs and specifically interviewing and talking to people who had had encounters and abductions. And sometimes it can really have an effect on a person, even if, even if it's subconscious. It says a letter to Bud Hopkins. Hopkins says, here's a letter to a woman... A letter, a woman writing about her child, she was so concerned. Her daughter is three years old. When she was putting her daughter to bed, the little girl cried and cried and said, I want to hide. And the woman asked, why? And she said, I'm hiding because the little people are going to get me. This really frightened the mother, and she said, what happened with the little people? The mother wrote, she told me they come into her room and take her outside. They have big eyes, and that she went up into the sky with them, with the man. I asked what happened up there, and she said, they took me to see the doctor. The next day, she saw a television program. Her mother was sitting there, a cover of a book about abductions with a face of an alien. The little girl jumped to her knees, pointing at the TV, shouting, that's them, Mommy, the people. She covered her eyes and said, I'm scared, Mommy. I've never seen such fear in the cold before. Within that same week, she drew many faces with only very large dark eyes. I also noticed at the time, while undressing her, three tiny raised pin-like marks near her navel, and the same under her left nostril. That same day, she also had a pretty bad nosebleed. Quote, since this all occurred, every now and then she mentions other things, such as, they take my jammies off, they hurt me, etc. I realize you receive many letters of this kind, some of which are phony, but believe me, this is not made up if this is all really happening to my little girl. Please give me some advice as to how to help her and deal with these visitations. I know you're a very busy man, but please, perhaps a short response to my letter may ease my anxiety a little. Mr. Hopkins, could this really be true? Thank you sincerely. There's no way that one can read these letters without responding, and the idea that someone like that is made, something like that is made up by a publicity seeker or whatever, as skeptics like to say, it's just absolutely absurd. I have worked with some of these people afterwards, referred them to other investigators, and I think we've brought some relief for them in helping them explore what really happened in their lives. Now, when you read a case like this about this little child being abducted, being assaulted, and being traumatized, it's hard for me to accept the fact that is uh, Dr. Greer and, Dr. Greer and so many others espouse that these aliens are all good guys, that they're all here to help us, that they couldn't, possibly, they couldn't possibly be bad because they've come so far. I don't see anything but pure evil in those actions. To abduct a little girl like that and to do who knows what. Uh, sadly, this mother was looking for relief, but she was so 
caught up in the narrative that's been given to us that she couldn't accept the possibility that her little girl was 100% correct. In a situation like this, it's a zero-sum game. Either the little girl's telling the truth, she's, been, she's being abducted and she's being terrorized, or she's not telling the truth, in which case uh, she, could, she could be suffering from a serious mental illness and she needs treatment. Either way, this, this kid needs help. And for the mom to just say, well, I hope it's not true, and then to leave the kid alone in the bedroom at night, it's tough because at that point, the parent has to, I think, face reality and say, well, you know, maybe we need to put a lock on the door or something. I don't know. Maybe we need to talk to somebody. It almost sounds like they need an exorcism. Goes on and says, Hopkins, I was working with a man once who was lieutenant in the Army at the time of the incident, big, tall man, an Irish man pretty macho, had a young wife and a little baby, and he told me that when he was taken into the craft, put on the table, paralyzed, terrified, couldn't move, he resolved that when he was going to get off the table, he was going to make a break for it. Whatever, however, he thought that he was going, he was, he thought that was going to work. And he said that he was lifted up after this physical examination, which was humiliating, his feet went down to the floor, and he said, Bud, I just stood there. I didn't move. I didn't do anything. I just couldn't do anything. And this little finger kept coming along, and these long gray fingers reached out and took him by the wrist. And he said, he just gently took me by the wrist, and I went with him. And he said, you know, I was the giant in that room, but I was the baby. And it was so difficult for this man, with all this military training and his Irish background and his youth, to admit that he could be that easily manipulated and moved. And if you think of that as an example of what might lie ahead for society, in a certain sense, it's a pretty grim future. That is a very realistic look at alien abduction phenomena. Instead of, instead of our government you know, trying to hide this stuff, trying to secret, away, secret it away, denying people uh, what's going on, they need to be putting the information out there. If that's the case, if we're dealing with entities that are so advanced that the, the fact that they're half our size doesn't matter, then we need to resist this in a different way. Now, um, some, some, some people, people from uh, what, uh, L.A. L.A. Azulas, I can't think of his name, or Dan Quill, a lot of these guys think this is a spiritual deal. And at this point, we have to try something. If, if uh, you can't physically uh, extricate, extricate yourself from the situation, uh, what does a person do when they've been taken against their will upon, in, in, into one of these ships and they've been, you know, physically assaulted? I think, I think the, the situation here is to do something before that happens. Goes on and says the Long Island case. Hopkins in another case. Hopkins in another case on Long Island, a woman who I've worked with had remembered waking up, and there was a range of physical phenomena which she described. I think she was paralyzed at one point. Her son in the morning had described these figures coming into the room. He was enormously he was enormously terrified. The woman remembered walking downstairs in the middle of the night, and she doesn't remember coming back up. She found herself in bed. There was a lot of confusion. But in the middle of all this, the neighbors called to say, what is that thing in your yard with all the lights on it? 
So you have witnesses who, who happen to look out the window and see the UFO on this person's property. Well, you have these cases like this again and again. Either this happened the way it happened, or again, you have some kind of elaborate collective hoax, including people's children. There's no motive for this. I think the evidence is just again and again totally persuasive. These cases never blow up in your face and suddenly, oh, we found out that so-and-so was a crook and they were doing this and that. And It doesn't happen. The material withstands all kind of scrutiny. And in, as a matter of fact, the more you look into it, the more evidence comes together to support them. I would have to agree with that 100%. The more you look into these cases, the ones that have stood the test of time, they, they've stood the test of the debunkers and the doubters and everybody else. The, the overarching theme that I see in, in this is some sort of advanced entity which looks at humans as if they're lab rats, barges into people's houses, takes them against their will, traumatizes children, assaults people, does all kinds of terrible things. But for one, for whatever reasons, it seems like the vast majority of the time it has to return these people to where it found them. It's almost as like it's working within the confines of some treaty. I don't see these entities, whatever they are, as being here to help us, here to make the world right. I don't see them sharing the cure to cancer. I don't see them doing anything really to help this planet. You, once in a while you hear about people who have been preached to, preached to them about environmentalism, this or that. Uh, they don't seem to have any particular uh, affection toward um, uh, what pe- people that are Christian have talked about Jesus. They don't seem to want to hear about that too much. I just see a really... A disturbing trend in all of these, but I appreciate Bud Hopkins because he took he took these cases and he interviewed so many people when he wrote all these books, and he did it with such an open mind and such a non-judgmental attitude. Pretty cool guy. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.